From Vintage City Church in Fort Collins, Colorado, it's the Vintage Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Greg Sanders. this teaching with a fun phrase. God has favorites. God has favorites. It was Moses' custom to set up the tent known as the tent of meeting far outside the camp. Everyone who wanted to consult with the Lord would go there. Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in their tent entrances. They would all watch Moses until he disappeared inside. As he went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and hover at the entrance while, Moses, while the Lord spoke with Moses. And then all the people would stand and bow low at their tent entrances. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, Stayed behind in the tent of meeting. Holy Spirit, would you come and, as we study this text? Lord, we study the text because we know it contains life, but there are moments where we understand you've directed us to something very specifically for a moment. And I think this is one of those times today. So would you give us ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts to put into action what you're calling us to? We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. God has favorites. Does that phrase feel okay or does it feel odd? How many think it feels odd? I will tell you that the scriptures support this idea that God has favorites. The way the scriptures support this idea that God has favorites, there's a, there's a psalm in 25 that says, Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear Him, and with them... He will give the secrets of his covenant. He will share the secrets of his covenant. What that tells me is that there is an accessible place that I can get to with the Lord where there's intimate friendship and he shares secrets that are not accessible to me outside of that encounter. Which means you can be a person that loves God deeply and you never know the secrets of the Lord. You see, in Exodus 33, where we're at in Israel's timeline is Israel has been in captivity in Egypt. God raises up Moses, the man, the leader. Moses was a son of Pharaoh. Some of you have watched all the Disney stories, so you know your Bible really well. He's a son of Pharaoh, and and he he realizes that he's got a calling to emancipate the people of God. And so with this calling, he's passionate about it. And so he sees a man mistreating an Israelite, and he kills the guy. Well, that gets him excommunicated from Egypt. Out in the middle of the wilderness, he comes upon a a regular bush in the desert that's on fire, but yet it's not being consumed. So that strikes him as odd. He encounters God. Wonderful principle that I'll just throw out there. It has nothing to do with the teaching, but it's really worth holding on to. Moses realizes it's God and says, I want to see your glory. And the scripture says that the Lord lets his goodness pass in front of Moses. I would say it this way. Every time the glory of the Lord is released, we should expect the goodness of God to be released. Which means sign, wonder, all that begins to be released as an evidence of his glory. I thought that was spectacular. You did not. 
So here we go with Moses. He leads the people of Israel. He goes back and he gets them and he emancipates them and he takes them out in the wilderness. And as part of his leadership responsibility, God says to him, I want you to set up a place called the tent of meeting. And then Psalm, I mean, Exodus 33 says that anyone who wanted to consult with the Lord would go there. This phrase, anyone who wanted to consult, it literally means to strive after or desire. So anyone who was hungry for more of God or desired more of God would go to this place. I love the syntax of the phrase, everyone who wanted, because what it tells me is that God all by himself declared his desire to talk to all of his kids. And he set up a place for them to come find him. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. The Hebrew word here literally means to converse. How many understand that there's two essential ingredients in a conversation? Correct? It's a monologue until somebody else speaks. At which point it becomes a conversation where we're exchanging information. Think about that for a second. The exchange of information that what God established in the desert with Israel was a desire to have a conversation with anybody that wanted to talk to him. So this same Moses, here's my concern with this this passage. The tent of meeting had been set up, but according to the scriptures, if we look at the record, we only know of two people that actually took advantage of the tent of meeting. Moses and Joshua. The only two that are recorded in Scripture of actually going in to the tent of meeting to talk to God. Psalm 91 is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And this I declare of the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I'm trusting him. Those who live in the shelter. I, I, like, I like the NIV, which is he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. Same syntax. What it means, that first word, those or he, the word literally means that man or that woman. It's a proprietary term, which means this verse applies to people uniquely. So that man or that woman who live or who dwell, this word, this word live here literally at the root of it means to make residence. It's the idea of putting down roots somewhere. So that man or that woman who will put down roots in the shelter of the Most High. This phrase, shelter of the Most High, literally means a place of aloneness with God. So that man or that woman who dwell, this word dwell here is important because according to this passage, which is Moses wrote it, even though it's in Psalms and everybody thinks they're all written by David, it's not, this is written by Moses. Moses writes this and what I think this verse reveals is the secrets that Moses had learned in his face-to-face conversations with God. He had discovered some things. 
And what he says is, what I've discovered is the person who will make the choice, because who live, this word live here literally means to dwell, to sit down, is proprietary, number one. There's an intentionality to it, and there's a consistency in the word. So it means to do something habitually. So that man, that woman, who goes into this place of the presence of God regularly, daily, and they get alone with God, to that person, they'll find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This phrase, shadow of the Almighty, is an important phrase because what it is, is it's, it's Ark of the Covenant language. The Ark was where the presence of God lived in the Old Testament. And it, there, there was a cherubim, that, a statue that was over top of the Ark, and there was these giant wings that would hang out. And underneath these wings were these places of shadow. What he's saying is, that man or that woman who makes it their systematic, regular, daily process to go get alone with God, literally is going to camp in the presence of God. They're going to be right there with him. See, what Moses had learned was a key. The king of the universe is accessible to men, to women, to children. The supernatural is accessible in the natural. Friendship is the desire of God. And it took two things. The choice to do it and the willingness to be consistent. I choose to go and I keep going. Moses has a lot of things he could have taught. This is probably one of the strongest teachings Moses gives. Now consider the weight of that statement. What he's really giving is a key. I love this verse because what it tells me is there's an opportunity available to all of us if we would take it. He says he is my refuge, my place of safety, my God, the one whom I trust. The reason why I think that's important, this I declare of the Lord. The language, what he really says is, in this place of intimacy with him, I have learned these statements. He is my refuge. What does that mean? He's the place of protection. So when life gets chaotic and I can't handle it, I go there and I find protection, I find shelter, I find covering. He's my place of safety. No matter what's going on around me, I'm secure and protected. Why? Because I've built an intimacy with him. And I will tell you this, God has favorites, and I will tell you sons and daughters that dwell with him understand a whole different level of protection. He's my God and I'm trusting him. He's not a God. He's my God. There's become a unique relationship that's developed. I would say it this way. What Moses really says is until you learn to live in that secret place, you'll never be able to say those things. They won't become reality in your life. But in the secret place, these are the gifts that are released into your life. You begin to learn from personal experience, he's my refuge. From personal experience, he's the one I trust. He's the one that keeps me safe. He's my God. Let's go back to Exodus 33. 
Whenever Moses went out to the tent of meeting, all the people would get up and stand in their tent entrances. This word, get up and stand, literally means to scan or look at something with regard. So we can picture the posture is they see Moses, their leader, and what's going on is they're like, oh man, he's going, he's going to meet with God. Come on, let's go, stand, watch. And the idea is that they, they put on their best wedding stance, you know, probably hands in front and clasp, and, and, it, and it's very proper, and they watch Moses go in to the tent of meeting. It says they would all watch until he disappeared inside. This one, we could, we could camp on this idea. There was authentically a cloud that did not dissipate. The wind could not affect it. It just hung out and hovered. It was an evidence to them that God was there. God gave them the cloud so they wouldn't forget he was real. And this cloud would hang out over the tent of meeting. Moses would go inside. The cloud would come down. I don't know about you. If I'm in that camp and I know there's a cloud that signifies the presence of God, I'm living in that cloud. So he would go inside. The cloud would come down. And it would hover at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. And then all the people would stand and bow low at their tent entrances. This word bow low, this word phrase here, it's a position of reverence that's often associated with worship. What this tells us is that they were watching this thing with an attitude of, this is good. There was a reverence, there was a sense of, yeah, our leader's going to talk to God. And it looks like a really good moment. But I don't think it is. Because if we go back to the first phrase, Moses would set up the tent of meeting far outside the camp and everyone who wanted to could consult with the Lord. What we see here is something that worries me in our day and in our time. We see a people who'd become very comfortable with the concept of God in their gathering but had no desire to encounter him personally. We live in the landscape of a church world in America. Growth metrics matter. Coming together and making it slick and cool and fun matters. But I will say this with absolute certainty. It is the absolute desire of our king to be your friend. And the way we become a favorite with God is by investing in this relationship. Being found with him daily. Who you are intended to be will never develop outside of this encounter. And we cannot be a people that become comfortable with the movement of God. It was beautiful, it was wonderful, but this thing that happens in worship should do nothing other than fuel a fire in me that says, I gotta go get face to face with him. Because that's really where the kingdom is found. Face to face, friendship, my God knowing me, talking to me, sharing life with me, no matter what I face, I sit. I have a habitual plan that I do every single day. And I would tell you, we have to be a people that understand that those who live in the secret place of the Most High is intended to be about us. It should be said of all of us. That man, that woman, has a secret place encounter with God. They're found by him. I'll tell you something. Our insecurities, our brokenness, become supernaturally touched in that place. The core issues and wirings that we were born with, raised with, that start to come out. You know everybody hit the mid-30s and all of a sudden you feel issuey? 
if you would but trust the process and be willing to make the decision, I'm just going to be systematic and disciplined with him. I promise you, you will be able to say, he is my God. He is my place of safety. He is my refuge. He is transforming me. This encounter, disconnected from a personal encounter, is religion. I'm going to let that one hang out. I do not believe that's who God's called us to be. I was on vacation last week. Took a week to just staycation. Hung out here in Fort Collins. Built some shelves, painted some walls. Just, just hung out around the house. It's only happened twice in our history. I didn't rest a lot. All week long, there was this really strange anxiety inside of me. So I sat with the Lord and wanted to do the first check. Is it just me? You know, I'm, you say be anxious for nothing. Why, why, am I, why am I turning inside? And he said, because I'm dealing with you. Okay. I went through my checklist. I'm like, I I'm, think I'm doing good. I'm hanging out with him. I'm in the word. I feel good. What are you dealing with? He said, I'm dealing with Vintage. I said, okay. Are you pleased with her was my question. And the answer was no. Her pursuit is lacking. That's what the Lord revealed. My heart cry is not to bludgeon the church or hurt the church, but is to say this. We were never intended to be a people that did anything except encounter their God. This can never be about fun worship, cool building, growing population. It can only be about encountering the king, drawing from the king, allowing the king to imprint us, becoming a people who are willing to do the work of discipline daily with God. And I see a dangerous thing on the horizon of the church. Discipline's hard. How many have gone to the gym once? <laughs> How many understand it does nothing? You don't see the gains. You don't get swole unless you've been there a few days in a row. You don't really see body fat reduce until you change your diet. You don't really see your cardio level go up until you run. None of these things just happen. And can I say it this way in the spirit realm? This stuff doesn't just happen. But there is such a beautiful gift released to the people of God if they're willing to discipline themselves into his presence. See, God has favorites. But anyone who wants to can be one of them. Please, hear my heart. I believe God has whispered things over this region that are vital. But those things will be released to those who dwell with him in the secret place. Because he trusts them. He knows them. He's built relationship with them. Friendship with the Lord is reserved for those who fear him. And with them, he releases the secrets of the covenant. 
Let's stand this morning. You still know I love you, right? How many would say, I probably needed to hear this? I want to lead us in a prayer. Don't pray it unless you mean it. I'm going to lead us into a prayer where we just repent and say, Lord, we're coming back to you. David will say this, come let us return to the Lord. Church, this is the first love that he's called us to, to be those who dwell with him. So, Father, we stand before you as your family, as sons, as daughters. We love what you're doing. We love being a part of this. But to hear you say you're not pleased so grieves my heart. And so we stand before you and just ask your forgiveness for becoming enamored with all the stuff you give more than we have with you. Lord, for some in this room, it might be the first time they've ever been challenged to develop a daily encounter with you. To those, Lord, we just release grace and encouragement. Build that pursuit. But for some of us, we've done it before and we've, we've become slack and undisciplined and we cry out for forgiveness. Though for some in this room, we've been doing it every day and our hearts are feeling what you're saying. We know we need this. We know our city needs it. We know our neighbors need it. We know our workplaces need it. We live in a day and time where the sons and daughters who are drawing from the king need to be present. So Holy Spirit, would you do your work today in all of us? Draw conviction where it needs to be. Bring encouragement where it needs to be. But more than anything, lead us into this pursuit so we don't just read about Psalm 91, we live Psalm 91. We commit today to be a people that dwell with you, that will put up no excuses, but will find ourselves in your presence. We honor you. We love you. We cry out for the courage it's going to take to live this out, to draw from you, give it to us, pour it into us, encourage us, whisper to us. And Lord, I'm excited to see what happens when all your sons and daughters start hearing your voice every day. Lord, over our homes, over our relationships, over our, the workplace, I pray for a revival that comes because the Spirit of the Lord's all over us wherever we go. We love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more great content, please visit us on the web at VintageCityChurch.com.